This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 15th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. The FDA, at least for now, is moving forward with proposed regulations to ban menthol cigarettes. Cato's Jeff Singer and Guy Bentley of the Reason Foundation detail why banning menthols would create some of the predictable results of prohibition and why it makes little sense as youth smoking has plunged in recent years. Before we get into what the FDA is doing today, uh, let's get some backstory here. The FDA at some point decided that uh, flavored cigarettes, because they were appealing to children uh, and it was never really clear whether this was an intention, uh, I suppose, of the companies selling them because plenty of adults liked flavored cigarettes, but kids might be attracted to them as well. So what was the decision made uh, what, the 90s, early 2000s guy? What, how did this come together? So the last time the FDA really looked into this was 2009 in the Tobacco Control Act, where they did ban all flavored cigarettes with the exception of menthol. So actual like, so your candy cigarettes and things like that, that were seen as particularly youth appealing. They decided not to go for a menthol ban and that was at the time supported by people like the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, but as they said, there is a large adult market, it might have massive unintended consequences. And um, I think they also possibly knew that um, it was not an overwhelming favorite with youth. I think back then it was still around 50-50. Now it's a minority choice of the tiny numbers of youth who do smoke. So they did make an exception back in 2009. Okay, so uh, Jeff, what do we know about menthol cigarettes? Are they particularly damaging to people relative to uh, the straight-up tobacco? Uh, no, there is some weak evidence that it might uh, enhance the uh, nicotine effect, but otherwise, no, it's just a flavor that's preferred. And it's interesting that teen uh, smoking levels have hit record lows while menthol cigarettes have been available. So it doesn't seem that there's any evidence that menthol cigarettes are in any way increasing or, uh, you know, uh, contributing to persistent teen smoking. Yeah, and you would have expected if uh, menthols were more attractive to young people that as smoking was declining, menthols would have become a larger share of uh, cigarette consumption, at least among, among young people. So what is the FDA now considering? So the FDA is now considering they've put forward their proposed rule to the Office of Management and Budget to analyze its uh, costs and benefits. And what it is a proposal for is a complete ban on all menthol cigarettes and also um, characterizing flavors in in small cigars and so on. So it would be a complete prohibition like we see in the European Union and Canada and indeed one state so far. Massachusetts has a complete ban on flavored tobacco products. Okay, so how do Swisher Sweets still exist? (laughs) <laughs> well, I think uh, the Swisher sweet market for um, little cigars, which is still very popular, but not really for smoking, uh, it, it just themselves, that is mostly used for the um, the marijuana market in terms of people u- using Swisher sweets. So even the claim that these are massively popular for smoking as of themselves amongst youth is also just not really borne out by the reality as anybody who uh, understands how the marijuana market con- consumption works. But flavoured cigars were thrown in there as an additional prohibition because under the very same, I believe, false claims that they are particularly appealing to youth. I mean, when we look at the youth smoking rate, the share of menthol, it's 41% of the tiny number of kids who smoke smoke menthol. So most kids don't smoke menthol, 
menthol smokers smoke fewer cigarettes per day and they start later. So it's a very tough argument for the FDA to make. So, uh, Jeff, what do you expect to be the consequences of this? I understand the FDA wants to make smoking less attractive to adults and young people alike. Well, if we base it on uh, the evidence from previous prohibitions of anything else, we're going to see, number one, uh, an increased uh, black market in uh, illicit menthol cigarettes. In fact, the EU banned all menthol cigarettes in in, uh, May of 2020, and there have been reports of a large uh, black market in what they call illicit whites, which are, you know, menthol cigarettes that many of them sold individually uh, that are coming in from Eastern European countries, particularly Belarus is a, is a big source. Um, so we could expect that as with prohibition of anything else, you're going to see uh, a new market open up for uh, perhaps the drug cartels or any other, uh, uh, you know, Ill- illegal gangs. Uh, in addition, it becomes more dangerous um, because uh, some of these uh, illicit whites, for example, have uh, uh, toxic components uh, that many of them don't have uh, uh, the uh, ring that prevents uh, the the uh, cigarette when it's just left alone from catching f- fire and, and snuffing it out. So uh, it, it's it, I don't think it's going to deter people from using menthol cigarettes. It's just going to make sure that it's much more dangerous to use them and it, it'll increase crime. Uh, I w- I can imagine that people might switch. People who have a strong preference for menthol cigarettes might switch to rolling their own and uh, trying to add uh, chemical components directly to the cigarette. Is that likely or have we seen something similar? The Foundation for a Drug-Free World did a survey uh, uh, about a year out from the ban in in Europe, and they found that uh, a significant portion of people found ways to mentholize their cigarettes. They just, there was no appreciable uh, decrease in cigarette tobacco smoking, but uh, many people who like to smoke uh, menthol cigarettes uh, purchase these different products that allowed them to get, make give the menthol flavor to their cigarettes. Uh, and uh, uh, Roughly an equal portion who said in the survey that they got them from outside sources, which of course are sources like I mentioned earlier. Uh, Guy, what is the FDA's rationale here? It, 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 you know, it seems like if they're interested in public health that uh, telling people that they can't have certain products, knowing that some people will try to continue to consume them either illegally or making their own, what is their rationale? The rationale remains that this will deter youth use of um, cigarette products, which, um, as Jeff points out, is now at a historic low. It's 1.9% of high school students smoke, and that's defined as having a puff in the last 30 days. In terms of high school students who smoke regularly, it's 0.38%. So functionally, cigarette smoking has disappeared amongst youth in America. But that is still part of the rationale for getting rid of these products. It's claimed that a prohibition of this kind affecting around a third of the cigarette market will still have a downward pressure on smoking rates. But as as Jeff points out, um, both in the EU and also um, in other markets as well, we haven't seen appreciable declines in cigarette smoking. Uh, For instance, in Canada, uh, when they implemented a menthol ban, uh, it was claimed that around uh, 20% of menthol smokers had given up after the ban. But then again, what they uh, failed to include in that is that non-menthol smokers had basically the same quit rates as menthol smokers. So the ban doesn't seem to be um, working as well as intended. But FDA is going to have 
a real challenge on its hands to say why it's going for a huge prohibition, a massive prohibition affecting something like 17 million Americans when there are these viable alternatives, such as, for instance, authorizing reduced risk nicotine products like menthol e-cigarettes and other products. So menthol smokers, if they want to quit, can switch to something safe and regulated. Yeah, there was, I can remember, because I am that old, um, and and a bit of a personal note here, I quit smoking cigarettes in 2013, uh, which was, I can tell you the exact moment, which was the exact moment I discovered that there were vaping products available to me uh, and uh, haven't looked back. And there were a, a wide variety of flavors available. There was chai tea or uh, creme brulee or any number of these other flavors that, um, at least in my personal experience, getting away from that tobacco flavor was a key component of uh, making, uh, it's making it stick with me and trying to get away from cigarette smoking. Actually, that's what... Uh, the research shows as well that most uh, people who uh, use e-cigarettes to quit tobacco smoking prefer the flavored to, as opposed to the tobacco flavored. And of course, banning the flavored uh, e-cigarettes is working against efforts to get to help tobacco smokers get off of tobacco. Now, uh, to the extent that the FDA is not really, I guess, considering a lot of evidence regarding smoking here that you you two have pointed out. Uh, they seem to be taking a very similar tactic when it comes to uh, e-cigarettes as well, which is they don't seem to be drawing a dis uh, distinction between them, uh, cigarettes and e-cigarettes, for the purposes of the health of the person who would be consuming them. Indeed. In fact, uh, since the FDA, um, there was supposed to be final um, it getting more decisions on authorizations for e-cigarettes last year, really from September onwards, and we've only had one e-cigarette authorized in the United States, and it's a pro product called View Solo, and only in tobacco flavors. And, and But very few people actually use that product, and we have been waiting uh, a huge amount of time for FDA to approve other products. And it's crucial FDA doesn't just approve the products it's reviewing right now to ensure that consumers have access to a safe and regulated, safer regulated product, but that act actively informs the public about the relative risks of e-cigarettes. Because right now, around 90% of Americans think e-cigarettes are either just as dangerous or more dangerous than combustible cigarettes, with only around 2.6% of Americans thinking rightly that e-cigarettes present far less risk than combustible tobacco. So that is a huge communication failure on the FDA's part. We, we've seen communication failures from a number of public health agencies over the past several years, but that is a huge one. If it comes When it comes to tobacco control, instead of prohibition, you have a very low-cost, easy way to have consumers switch to safer products. You can have successful businesses making money, making it easier for people to quit smoking. That really should be a success story. I, I hesitate to psychoanalyze the, the uh, public health officials and regulators, but it appears to me that, they're, that they have like a zero tolerance policy for anything that simulates tobacco smoking. And since e-cigarettes kind of you know conjure up memories in their minds of uh, tobacco smoking. That's why I think they are intolerant of it. I, I think an important point also that we need to mention is that a menthol tobacco ban is, go is going to lead to uh, more interactions between law enforcement and individuals 
particularly individuals in in uh, uh, you know in in minority communities, because the evidence is that menthol cigarettes are particularly uh, popular or more popular relative to other communities among minorities. Of course, we're all very familiar with that horrible story of Eric Garner in Staten Island, who was killed for selling Lucy's, as they were called. So we could uh, here we are uh, creating yet another uh, another reason to have law enforcement interact with uh, the regular population uh, when they don't have to. And that could lead to bad outcomes, uh, unfortunately. Um, and and th- it's interesting that there are a couple of uh, significant law enforcement organizations that, for that reason, oppose a menthol ban. Uh, they're concerned about the smuggling and about the uh, the, the increased risk of uh, of you know uh, police misconduct and and violent interactions with with otherwise nonviolent uh, regular people. When do we expect this to? come down from the FDA. They've submitted their rule that seems to trigger a 90 days at least for public comment and that sort of thing. So what is what do you what do you expect? Uh, when do you expect that to come? Well, the FDA um, will publish its um, its formal rule and open it up to uh, comment from the public and interested parties. We expect sometime in April, probably late April. And I believe we should have um, several months of comment after that, uh, I believe possibly uh, f- four months or so of co- uh, of comment might be uh, might might be a, b- a bit less or a bit more, uh, and FDA will have to review all of those comments and taking consideration evidence presented and um, what the general public is thinking about this, and so the process could be quite a long and drawn out one because FDA will then have to review those comments and submit a final rule with a date for the proposed implementation of the ban. Personally, I. Uh, I do not expect this really being implemented anytime soon, if at all. I think the case was for banning menthol, if there was one at all, was probably much stronger 10, 15 years ago. But now with youth smoking virtually non-existent and safer alternatives for adults, the case has become very, very weak. So I am personally bullish on the idea that this will actually um, be killed and never actually make it to an implementation date, either through a change of administration or the FDA quietly abandoning it because um, they could face very significant lawsuits and they would have to prove in court a real scientific rationale why to ban menthol cigarettes and not the cigarettes that most people smoke and smoke more of and at a younger age. Jeff Singer is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Guy Bentley directs consumer freedom research at the Reason Foundation. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 